found it interesting when I was reading um, all of this, um, the connection, I think, between um, these four passages. In the Deuteronomy passage, we, we see covenant renewal with God and his people. Um, in the Psalm, we see David um, crying out to God for him to teach him his ways, um, to lead him. Um, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, not only do we have Jesus giving a teaching of what it is to live a life of love, but also that great commandment, um, the one we say together, and one we just said together this morning, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Um, and then in Colossians as well, Paul prays for the church in Colossae um, that we would bear maturity and fruit. Um, it made me um, wonder, um, preparing for today, it, a question kept coming to mind, almost it unsettled me, um, as um, to this question of what does it mean for each of us to live according to the will of our Father? And what does it mean for us to live according to the law of our God? Um, should this be easy, an easy answer for us who follow Jesus? Um, I think these questions come up in my own life every day, whether I know it or not, um, consciously or subconsciously. Um, for me, many fears arise as to how I can best live for Jesus. Um, I often think to myself, how I can better follow him, um, because I want to. But I think that misleads me often. Um, often I look to a new spiritual practice, or better understanding the sacraments, or reading scripture more, or praying more. Um, and all of these are good things. Um, moreover as well, um, uh, I'm a student of theology, and so I've had classes and have deeply wrestled with the questions of right doctrine, and also what is the, the best tradition for the church, and all of these things. But throughout all of that, it's become way too easy for me to be preoccupied with the content of my faith, instead of the one who my faith is about. Um, and just like that, in all of this searching, um, I've buried Christ under the rubble of my own confusion, and his simple command, follow me, uh, becomes lost in translation with what I think it means to do so. Um, like Israel, I have mistaken the law for what is behind the law. And more still, who is behind the law? I have mistaken the stuff of Christian life for the one I worship. And I think we all do this from time to time. And so once in a while, we need to be reminded about what the law and life of God is really about. It has become my desire, especially in these last weeks, to get back to the heart of worship. And I use the word heart because I think it has immense value. Proverbs 4 says that out of the heart flow the springs of life. And Ezekiel, um, it says that the Lord will give us a new heart and put a new spirit in us. He will remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. The passages in Deuteronomy 30 and Psalm 25, I think, reveal a connection between the law of God and our hearts. And so this morning, um, I want us to consider what the law of God looks like, um, what the way of Christ looks like through the lens of David, um, who was a man after God's own heart, as well as one who longed and longs to live a righteous life under God. Starting in Deuteronomy, we get these um, words in verse 11. Um, and I love the way George said it this morning, just the, the inflections he had. Um, um, he says in verse 11, um, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. Verse 14, the word is very near you. It is on your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Um, these words of Moses come powerfully to Israel in the midst of God renewing the covenant with his people. 
Um, and we see throughout the scriptures that God always renewing what his people have forsaken, showing his character to be good and gracious. God promises prosperity and abundance when we turn to God with all of our heart. And this verse that I just read makes an appeal to the people of Israel, to a people who keep turning away from God. It is an appeal to the fact that following God is possible and that what is needed is close at hand. It is as close as our own hearts. It is easy to get lost in the letters of the law to which Israel has over 600 laws to follow. With so much to do, surely it's impossible to follow God. He has set the standard too high and the demands of righteousness are too much. But then again, perhaps God himself wants something different than mere observance and ritual following. An interesting thing happens in the narrative of the Old Testament as it develops. Um, A Bible scholar I follow points out that um, God continues to simplify his law for Israel over the course of time. Moving from over 600 laws to 15 in Psalm 11 to six and then two throughout Isaiah, and then finally one commandment in Amos and Habakkuk, where it finally says, but the righteous shall live by faith. It is as if even before Christ's coming, God reveals that he really wants something utterly different than laws. What God desires from us is our love and affection. God wants us to love him alone. God wants us to trust him alone. God wants us to fear him alone. This is the purpose of the law in the first place and what it points to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. For us who are in Christ, we no longer follow the laws of Israel. But Christ himself proclaimed the words of that great commandment. And the Sermon on the Mount sets forth a way of life that demands great and sometimes grave requirements. Um, And it is to this point that we can easily fall back into the same dilemma as Israel, mistaking the commandments of God for God himself. I think we often miss that the commandments of God are not just a basis for our moral life, but much more they lead us to the source from which life flows out. The reward of following God is God himself. Psalm 25 will give us a better understanding of what it means to seek God. In this psalm of lament, David urgently asks God to teach him um, and to lead him, to which um, it says that God will lead the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. I think the words in the NRSV were meek and gentle. Um, and such teaching will be, will be close at hand. And I think this is echoes of what it says in Deuteronomy, that it's near to us. Um, and so we can look at how David postures his heart, enabling him um, himself to draw near God. Um, I found in my reflection three, I think, main activities of the heart um, to be found in this psalm. Um, I found them to be those of lifting, of waiting, and fearing. David says in verse 1, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. In which he lifts up the depths of his being to God in a posture of offering and trust. Later he says in verse 5, For you I wait all the day long, which represents a disposition of David's heart, one of simultaneous trust and longing, of faith in God, as well as desire to see and be near God, of patience and seeming holy impatience. And then there comes an activity that I find most profound, and if I'm honest, the one I find most disturbing. David says in verse 14, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. When I read this word, similar to when I read the word law, I typically write it off as a fashionably Old Testament um, word. But even still, I cannot help um, but feel like I'm missing a deeper meaning when I am reading that word. The fear of the Lord is central throughout Scripture. 
often going hand in hand with God's law, being a word meaning exactly what it says and also more. A word that provokes reverence, astonishment, and trembling. That is the force I think the word implies and to which it suggests a power deeply capable of stirring the depths of our being and moving our hard hearts. One of the great aspects of the faculty of the heart is its effective power. That is, of being moved, stirred, and provoked by things external to us. It is a power that is mysterious, beyond our control many times, and often something that we try to contain because of the pain or discomfort it could bring us. Yet, without our heart, we would never be moved by the beauty of a sunrise, the goodness of what it is to love others in that image, and also the truth of God's grace. The heart is therefore a vital dimension in our lives. And so to fear God is to open ourselves in such a way where the heart can truly be affected by God. And so a heart that is open is a heart that is alive, vital and kindled. One that is able to befriend another. We can have friendship with God when we fear him because when we fear him, we are moved by him. And when we are moved by him, we are drawn into his love. Echoes of God's covenant in Deuteronomy are heard with David, who himself says, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and testimonies. David himself desires to walk in these paths and to live out life with God. Often in his Psalms, he asks God to lead him and teach him and to show him the way. And for David, it is through fearing God and being moved by God that he says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. It is the activity of the heart that opens up the meaning of the covenant to David and also to friendship with God. And this is therefore why following God is as simple and profound as loving God with all our heart. The key to understanding the law of God is the heart. And the model is David to which we begin to understand the law of God brings us to God himself. And so if there's anything I want us to take away from this, um, especially as we move towards um, coming into together to the Eucharist, I think it would be to get in touch with that dimension within us that has the power to move us and to stir us and to affect us. Um, How does the heart work together um, with our other faculties? How does it work with our thinking and our our willing, um, those other faculties? Um, How do they work together? How maybe have I neglected my heart? Um, What does it look like finally to incline my heart to Jesus? And the hope I have for myself is that my heart would become central to my relationship with God. Um, And I extend that um, hope that I have for us as a church that we'd all discover the simplicity in turning wholeheartedly to Jesus, each one of us.